Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Hey, Kaya. It's good to be with you again. Um, hopefully uh, things are going well in your home with your family. If you have any need, I just want to remind you to reach out to me, uh, bbriscoe at mbtkc.org. But I also want to remind you first and foremost that you've got a lot of leaders in your life that are, are there for you and they love you and they, and they want to be there with you. And so if you have a need, um, certainly your disciples and your Bible study leaders are capable of, of loving you and investing in you. And so if you, if you have a need, make sure you reach out to them. They're going to be your front line of, of help and love, prayer, counsel uh, during the season. But if you, if you have a serious need that, that you need to talk to me about, feel free to email me and we'll schedule a time to have a conversation. Um, there's other announcements that we have, but, uh, but um, you know, uh, those will probably come up in main service as well. So just keep in mind the Instagram mini performances on Friday. Uh, nights. The Graciers are coming up this Friday, and, and those have been a blast, so please join us for that. Um, and then uh, I also just want to mention briefly that that uh, make sure each Sunday that you're taking time to watch these messages, spread the word. Uh, the Super Fellowship is an alternative to this time, and so you want to make sure that you're prioritizing the Kaya messages first and foremost. And then um, if you have extra time throughout the week, you can listen to the Super Fellowship messages as well. Uh, just as a, by way of, of getting familiar with the text that we're going to be in, we're going to be in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. And uh, we'll read that real quick. We'll pray here in a second. Acts 15, 1 says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. And so these people, uh, you know, are, are following right behind Paul and his ministry. And uh, they're they're creating problem. We refer to these people in scripture as Judaizers. Uh, these are people that, that likely uh, were following Paul on his missionary travels everywhere that he went, all through Asia Minor through, this, Minor, through this entire first missionary journey. Wherever Paul would go, these guys would be right behind him, convincing the people that it wasn't good enough to just believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, that's not good enough uh, in, in, their, in their spiritual economy. They're saying that you also need to make sure that you're abiding by Jewish law and that real salvation comes through circumcision in Moses. Um, and so, you know, this is the entire reason why Paul writes the book of Galatians. If you read Galatians, what that's about is Paul addressing this false gospel that had infiltrated this, this uh, region called Galatia. And so he's not messing around. Uh, he took this problem really seriously. And, and uh, the, the issue was that devout Jews... We're having a really hard time believing that the Gentile believers, those Gentiles, non-Jewish people, uh, that they considered to be heathen, that they considered to be wicked, uh, were just simply believing on Jesus Christ and that the Holy Spirit was entering into their lives. They were having a hard time grappling with this because up to this point, uh, Christianity, uh, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, was primarily a Jewish phenomenon. And so it was primarily the Jewish people that were coming to the Messiah through Jesus Christ, coming to salvation. But now we're seeing the gospel spread to Samaria and to other parts of the region, places where there's primarily Gentiles that are receiving the gospel. And so Christianity was beginning to lose its Jewish flair. 
And so in their fear and their lack of understanding, they forced Jewish laws upon the purity of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even Peter fell prey to this. You can read about this in Galatians chapter 2. Paul had to confront Peter face to face because even though Peter knew uh, that the, the, the gift of salvation had come to the Gentiles, even though he was the one who had initially received the vision that Gentiles were going to receive the gospel, uh, he struggled when he came to Antioch to eat with the Gentiles because a bunch of other, you know, uh, you know, popular Jewish believers were there and he was afraid that they would despise him. So he removed himself from the fellowship of the Gentiles in order to join himself to the Jews. And this really frustrated Paul so much so that he had to confront Peter face to face over the issue. So this is a big deal among the leaders in the church at this time. And there was a lot of confusion surrounding this issue. This this false idea was beginning to threaten the gospel, uh, so much so uh, that we're going to study it um, over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to take a long, hard look at this question that they're asking. Do you have to maintain laws or perform works in order to be a Christian? And this is an incredibly important question that has been raised over and over again for the last 2000 years in the church. This same issue has been, you know, uh, you know, reframed over and over and over again. And we see it most prevalently in a couple of different issues. The first one is, does someone need to be baptized in order to be saved? And this false doctrine has been perpetuated over and over again through Catholicism, uh, even uh, among, you know, uh, what would consider to be Protestant churches, uh, you know, churches that we would think would have a, a pure gospel message are saying things like you need to be baptized to be saved and and that's just not true. Or even among the charismatic churches that profess that you need to, to um, speak in tongues in order uh, to confirm your salvation. And we can't believe that you're, a, you know, that you're saved unless you've spoken in tongues. And these are all just different variations on the same issue that Paul's facing here with these Judaizers. It's a super important issue. And it causes a lot of confusion uh, among the Christians. And it's even more confusing because it's Christians that are professing these, these truths, and these, these false gospels, I mean. So you're saying here with the Judaizers, these people are Christians. They're saying they're Christians. Everywhere they go, they're saying, well, we're, I'm a Christian, and I believe in Jesus too. But, uh, and that's the same thing we're hearing today. I'm a Christian too. I believe in Jesus Christ. But, and this message is very, very uh poisonous and dangerous. And, and so we're going to spend some time tackling that topic in the next week or two. But today we're going to talk about joy interrupted. What happens when dissenters come into the church, uh, come into your life, and they, um, they, they speak a message that causes you to lose your joy, or they, they're seeking to undermine or distract from the gospel message in your life. And we see this. We see this uh, in our in our ministry all the time, uh, when God is using us, uh, you know, it's more likely for us to face opposition. We're gonna, you know, we're being used, and there's fruit in our life. We're more likely to be confronted with people, circumstances, and situations that try to rob that joy, or steal away that gospel message, or dismantle the work that God is doing in our ministry. So we're familiar with this idea, but we're going to talk about what to do about it when it happens. So let's pray. Uh, the name of our message today is Here Come the Dissenters. And uh, you're going to be able to find the PowerPoint for this message. If you're following along, you're going to be able to find that at kaya.live slash teachings. And then uh, you can follow along there. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll get into it.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for the purity of your gospel. We thank you so much that Jesus Christ took care of all of it on the cross. And all we need is his forgiveness to lay hold on the forgiveness that he's extended to us. Lord, we thank you for, for passages like Ephesians chapter 2, where, where it spells out very clearly that you've, you've given us a gift of grace and that we can't and shouldn't try to add anything to that. Uh, that, Lord, it is a gift and we simply need to receive it. Lord, we're thankful that you've given us a free will that allows us to make that decision. Lord, we thank you that you don't impose it upon us, but, Lord, you simply have, have, have poured out grace through Jesus Christ and that we get to be the benefactors of all of his rewards and his inheritance and we get to be a part of the family of God simply because of what he's done and we can we can call out to you and we can know salvation uh, in, in its purity and nothing needs to be added to that. So we thank you for that even now and Lord, we pray that your word would take root in our lives, that we be provoked uh, to have joy even in the uh, midst of dissension and the Lord, that we would be defenders of grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here come the dissenters. Uh, you know, so just to give a, a, a frame of reference and, and, and to recap a little bit, in Ephesians, or sorry, not in Ephesians, Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 27, we see that uh, Paul and Barnabas have coming off their first missionary journey, and they're coming back to Antioch, and they're rehearsing in the ears of the people all the things that God has done. Now, I think it's really important for us to note here is that they're not focusing on any of the sufferings and the hardships that they've faced along the way in the missionary journey. They're focused primarily on conveying what God has done. So look at verse 27 of chapter 14. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. And now he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. And so they're coming back to their home church, refreshed, excited, they're not they're not overly focused on on you know the difficulties of the journey the hardships of the journey what they want to convey is God is at work in the lives of the Gentiles and we got to be a part of that and you get to be a part of that and we get to be a part of that together as this local church continues to send out missionaries and we continue to do this work look at what God's doing and they're creating excitement and there's a joy now listen anytime there's joy in the church Satan is going to seek to root that out and there will be dissenters, even people in our own midst that seek to undermine or dismantle or disrupt or distract from what God is doing. And so upon their return home, they're faced almost immediately with an attack that seeks to invalidate their ministry, that wants to, to discourage the people that are hearing this message that should be encouraged by it. Now there's disputation and dissension in the church. So Acts 15.1 says, And certain men which came down from Judea, taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the, after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Uh, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other men, uh, of them uh, should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And so their joy is interrupted. This word dissension means insurrection or strife. And so an insurrection uh, came up in Antioch as these Judaizers came in and started creating dispute. And so, man, I, I think many of us feel even right now that we feel like our joy has been interrupted. Now, not by a person, but by our circumstances. And uh, and so anytime, we have to know that anytime that God is at work, I mean, I've felt like 
I've never been used more in my life than in the last few years that I've been in Kaya. And I'm, I'm, pr- I'm praying that trend continues for the rest of my life. But I've been so thankful for the last few years that God has used us in Kaya. And we've seen so much fruit and so many new believers and so many new disciples being made. And I think everybody feels and knows that excitement. Man, it only makes sense that Satan is going to seek to distract that. And uh, sometimes he's going to use dissenters to do that. In other words, people who are going to speak uh, uh, you know, a harmful message or seek to confuse or distract from what God's doing. Now, MBT has always had dissenters, and, and no one knows that better than your pastors because it seems like there's always someone who has got a pet doctrine, uh, you know, a false idea, uh, you know, a you know, a spur in their saddle. Is that a burr in their saddle? That's I think that's a saying. I can't remember. In other words, people are are always upset about something, right? There's always something that's that's bothering them, and there's always people that have created dissent here at Midtown Baptist Temple since we've been here, and uh, you know. We just have to understand that that's just part of what we do. That's par for the course. And so the first thing that we have to do knowing that is ask ourselves a really difficult question, a personal question. Are we the type of people that make ministry hard or joyful for other people? Okay, and we're going to draw a contrast here between the Judaizers and Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were men of joy, but the Judaizers were people of dissent. And sometimes we fall into the trap of being dissenters. We have to ask ourselves hard questions about that. Do you create unnecessary disputes in the body of Christ? Do you allow yourself or do I allow myself uh, to be disagreeable or or be frustrated? And and do I allow that to disrupt what what God's doing? You know, some of us um, are very uh, naturally cynical people and, and, and maybe you're just strongly opinionated. And so, you know, you allow your opinions to come out in conversation a lot of times and, um, you know, some of us are the type of people that when someone says something, our natural response is to provide an immediate counterpoint. You know, if you're that type of person. So like someone says something, maybe they're just having a conversation. It's maybe it's just arbitrary or benign uh, dialogue, but you're the type of person that, that, that speaks up and maybe pro- provides a counterpoint or, or um, you, you like to play devil's advocate per se. And um Man, some of us carry that so far. You know, that's not good because a lot of times it can cause unnecessary friction in our relationships with our brethren. And, and, it, can, and it can cause us to be, you know, who should be opinion about, opinionated about things that don't matter, right? To the point where it can cause division or abrasion within our relationships with the people that we love. But some of us take that even a step further where when we hear testimonies about what God is doing in other people's lives, the first thing that that does is it causes us in us to uh, a sense of, of cynicism where maybe we seek in our mind to uh, invalidate what God did in that person's life. So maybe someone's giving a testimony about how they were used. Uh, they're, they're, they're rehearsing the fruit that God gave them. And some of us, uh, the first place we go is we seek to invalidate that or say that, well, you know, Let's not take that at, at first glance, okay? Uh, you know, we we should we should maybe reconsider, or or maybe we challenge the fruit, or maybe we we say that the fruit has been spoiled, or or maybe that the seeds really didn't take root. And so in our mind, there's something that's going on that causes us to be dissenters in our mind, even if we don't vocalize it. So that's a really dangerous place to do to be. Uh, and you know, some of us are dissenters in that we struggle with authority. You know, these Judaizers, they knew that Paul was an apostle. That had been confirmed way back in Acts chapter 9. 
that, that Paul was an apostle, that he carried authority, but that didn't keep them uh, from sowing seeds of division. They didn't entreat him as an elder. They didn't go to him and speak to him and, 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 and bring their issues to him directly. They went to undermine his work. And there's some of us in ministry that do that, that our natural response when we disagree with the pastors, when we disagree with the leaders, when we're not um, in full agreement or we're frustrated by things that are going on, I think we're in a season right now where that might be common with several of you. Some of you might not completely agree with what's, you know, the decisions that are being made in this season of quarantine. And, and I have to say, it's not idealistic. And, and I, I think our pastors would agree, there's things that we're doing that we wish we, you know, we had other options. And we're doing our very, very best. But for some of you, your natural inclination is to think cynically or pessimistically about your pastors. And instead of creating harmony in times of struggle, you're, you're busy critiquing and you're, you know, you're busy, uh, you know, being frustrated or even saying words to other people that would undermine the pastorate and undermine the work of the ministry that God, I think, is actually be, is actually using our church in this season, despite this, this um, you know, obviously uh, uh, difficult and trying season. He's still using our church and he's using your leaders uh, to help guide us and, and lead us in this season. Um, man, but but we ought to be giving our leaders the benefit of the doubt instead of undermining them and sowing seeds of dissent. And so what causes this? What causes this in our heart? Sometimes it's jealousy. When, when we have dissent in our heart, on our, on our tongue, that's an issue of, of jealousy. Maybe you're jealous of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, and you know, the Judaizers certainly were, were jealous of the work that Paul and Barnabas were doing among the Gentiles. Certainly they were jealous of the fact the Gentiles were receiving the gospel so easily and so readily, and it was it was you know spreading like wildfire among the Gentiles, and yet the the Jewish people were not receiving the gospel so easily. That would have been frustrating, and I can imagine that they would even be jealous over the work. And so, um, are you jealous? Are you jealous over what God's doing in your brothers and sisters and lives? Do you feel like every time you hear a testimony? of God using someone in our ministry, that just kind of frustrates you or, or makes you feel a bit jealous. We need to deal with that. That is not appropriate. God has, you know, according to Ephesians chapter four and, and five, and, and according to first Corinthians, we are bound together. We ought to be unified, one heart, one mind, one objective. And so anytime we have those thoughts rolling around in our mind, we have to give those over to the Lord because what they're going to result in is words of dissension. And it's going to sow in us a, a, a wickedness and an evil that will ultimately uh, cause us to undermine the ministry that God's doing. We have to be for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead of being jealous, be jealous of the Lord that he would use you in the same way. Um, man, you know, do we disdain the brethren? Some of us have dissent in our heart because we disdain our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we do that and we do that from a fleshly perspective that says that, that our brothers and sisters, the ones that aren't like us, the ones that are different from us, the ones that we struggle to like, uh, the ones that aren't our best friends or easy to get along with, that somehow they're lesser than us. And that's a very dangerous place to be. And, and that's preparing a heart for dissension. Jesus bled and died for your brothers and sisters in Christ the same way he, he bled and died for you. And so we've got to be very careful about how we perceive the brethren because we don't want to be dissenters. We want to be for our brothers and sisters in Christ and we want to be bound to them in love. Now, here's the thing I want to point out is that maybe the, 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 the issue of cynicism and pessimism and, 
and, and frustration in the way you see your brothers and sisters in Christ or the way you see ministry or leadership, maybe that's rooted in false doctrine. And by that, I mean, maybe you have a false understanding of what grace really is. You know, um, the Judaizers primary issue was with Paul's understanding of grace. They had a false perspective on what it meant to believe on Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, and its completeness. And if for some reason in our lives, um, we've created expectations uh, on our brothers and sisters, or we've created expectations in ministry, or we, we've gone beyond what, what, we, what we know grace in the Bible to be, and we've said, well, proper Christianity is blah, 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 blah. And here are all these expectations that our brothers and sisters have to meet in our eyes. That's really, ultimately, that's legalism. And, uh, and, and, and it can cause serious, serious problems in the ministry. And, it's, and, and it cre- creates expectations that no one can hold to. Uh, you know, your brothers and sisters are never going to fully meet your expectations or your convictions. And it's impossible to do so. And it's only going to get in the way. And it has to be dealt with. You have to understand grace according to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a free gift, and he loves you every bit as much as he loves his brothers and, uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ. He loves and forget, has forgiven you and has bestowed grace upon you the same way that he has, he has for the rest of the church. And so we have to understand the doctrine of grace so that we can extend grace to other people. It has to be true. Now, what do we do about dissenters? That leads us to the next point. Well, what did Paul and Barnabas do when they were faced with people who wanted to devalue the gospel, people who were causing division, uh, causing dispute, those that wanted to defraud the purity of what Jesus Christ had done, what do they do? The first thing is they let joy reign in their heart. Verse three says, and being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. So when dissension came into their lives, you would think that their natural response would be frustration, disappointment. You can imagine that on their way to Jerusalem to deal with this issue, that there'd be grumbling all along the way. Oh, I can't believe that we're even having to deal with this. I can't believe, oh man, here I am again, blah, 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 blah. I know that that, that there's a tendency in all of us when we face dissension is to react in kind and get into the quagmire. Uh, that, that our dissenters would want us to get into. We lower ourselves down into that place and we get bogged down. Now, what we see in Paul and Barnabas is that they have the exact opposite reaction. As they travel to uh, Jerusalem to deal with the issue, they take joy wherever they go. They're not like the dissenters. They spread joy among the brethren. They cause other people to have joy as well. They use this dispute as an opportunity to sow seeds of encouragement among the Gentiles. So here's our key point number one. Those familiar with the treasure of God's word will not be robbed of their joy. Those familiar with the treasure of God's word will not be robbed of their joy. See, they didn't let the fact that their lives were being interrupted affect their joy. They knew who Jesus was. They knew his word. They were so uh, uh, confident in it that even though something had come up against them, they were going to live a life of joy no matter what. And I I want to ask you, are you a messenger of peace like that? Do you walk in the way of peace? Galatians 5.25 says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If we are living a life completely informed by God's word and controlled by his spirit, surrendered to him, yielded to him, then no matter what comes our way, no matter what circumstances we face, 
we are going to live a life of joy and peace and joy and the fruits of the spirit are going to emanate from our lives. And even in a season like the the season of quarantine that we're in, that's not going to cause fear or frustration. And we're not going to lower ourselves down to, 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 to the, uh, to the lowness of the dissenters. We're going to raise ourselves up. We're going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and the power of his, his resurrection. And that means taking joy wherever we go, taking it online, in our conversations, with our family, with our friends, with the lost. They're going to see and they're going to, they're going to know joy by just looking at the testimony of our lives. So the first thing is they let joy reign in their lives. The next thing is that they address the issue. Verse 4 says, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But they rose, uh, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed. Now, now we'll get back to this later, but yeah, there were Pharisees that actually believed in Jesus Christ, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together to consider, uh, to, uh, for to consider of this matter. So when dissension and dispute are, are an affront to the gospel, uh, some something has to be done, okay? That can't be allowed to just persist. Now, in Paul's ministry, a lot of times what we see is that he was okay with letting dissenters just take care of themselves. A lot of times they just take, I mean, obviously these Judaizers have been following Paul for a while and nothing had been done about it. He wasn't going to address every single dissenter that came his way. But um, so it wasn't his preferred method, but sometimes Paul, we see Paul, have to address dissenters even when he doesn't necessarily want to, you know. Um, he would prefer things just take care of themselves. Look at Acts chapter 16. There's a story. We'll get to this later, obviously, when we get to this chapter, but I think it's important enough for us to talk about it. Acts 16, verse 16 says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High, which show unto us the way of salvation. So this is a weird situation. You've got this woman, woman that's uh, possessed by a familiar spirit, and she's, you know, she's doing divination for, for money, and she comes across Paul and Luke and some of these other guys, other these, these other apostles. She starts following them around, and she's declaring truth. I mean, she's saying these guys are the messengers of God. These guys have God on their life. And she's saying something in truth, but she's saying it in a way that causes distraction. And 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 so if you're familiar with Satan, uh, Satan is an angel of light, right? Um, his his ministers, the, the spirits, the evil spirits, are are ministers of of righteousness. They they disguise themselves as ministers of righteousness. And so you have this woman who is declaring a truth, but she's doing it in a way that actually distracts from the ministry. And so look at what it says. And this did she many days. So Paul put up with it for several days. But then what happens? But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. Now, so what happens here is there comes a certain point in, in, in Paul's ministry dealings with this woman. After several days, you know, it, the situation wasn't taking care of itself. So he turns and he rebukes her and he deals with it. And the same issue is true here with the Judaizers. He knew that, they'd been fo- that they had been following him around and he didn't choose to deal with it until it shows up in his church. Okay, it shows up in his church. 
until it really becomes a distraction to the ministry of the gospel, until what they're saying begins to impede the work of the gospel being spread, that's when they decide that they have to deal with it. Here's key point number two. Those familiar with the cross cross will not permit the obstruction of grace. They will not permit the obstruction of grace. In other words, you know, doctrinal errors surround us. Now, I'm not going to go you know, I'm not going to, Oprah Winfrey is not going to give me an opportunity next week to debate Joel Osteen openly. I'm not going to have an opportunity anytime soon to, on a, on a national scale, address all of the heresies that Rob Bell teaches. I'm not going to get that opportunity anytime soon. And so I just trust the Lord. I'm, I'm going to take care of my ministry. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Okay, but here's the deal. When those heresies come into my church, when they come into 40th and Walnut, when they come into my ministry, when they begin to impede the gospel work in my life, it's time to deal with that. And I need to not be afraid of it. Paul and Barnabas, uh, when, when they saw that the Judaizers had come to their church and began to teach these things and to cause dispute among their brethren, they decided that was too far. And they stepped up and they spoke up. And so they hit the road for Jerusalem, knowing that God was on their side, that God was in their corner. Now, we're going to come back next week and talk about how things went in their conversation. But the point is this, that when we're talking about dissenters, we have to let joy reign in our lives, but we also have to address the issues. When heresy pops up, we need to not be afraid to address it. So as we conclude, I'm going to ask that you first and foremost, check your heart. That you ask yourself, are you a dissenter? Are you a pessimist? Do you intentionally or even unintentionally throw a wet blanket on your brothers and sisters in Christ in their ministry? Is that your natural tendency? And it's okay to admit that if it is, but it's not okay to continue to move forward and let that character uh, 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 flaw consume your life. You can't let pessimism reign. Do not um, function in a, in a place in ministry that where it's okay for you to, to have unresolved issues with your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, or have frustrating ideas, or even if, if a, there's a doctrine in your heart that's reigning over you, that's prohibiting you from ministry, or maybe even getting in the way of other people ministering, that's stuff, that's stuff that needs to be dealt with. And so I, I want to first and foremost call you to not be like the Judaizers who don't understand grace or who frustrate grace. Don't be a dissenter. Let's live in grace and let's deal with things in grace. Now, how do you deal with the dissenter? Okay, let's recap. If you're walking in the spirit in God's word, then you will have no problem retaining joy in the midst of difficult situations with difficult people. And so when you're confronted with a dissenter, someone who wants to dispute with you, someone who wants to undermine your ministry, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's someone in Kaya or someone in our church, you have to let joy reign. Don't lower yourself to where they're at. If you're following Jesus Christ and you're familiar with his promises to you, you're familiar with the doctrines of scripture, then you're going to live a life of grace and you're going to let joy reign in your life and you're going to continue to move forward in ministry unimpeded by the fact that there are dissenters around you. You know, we can't let the fact that people are going to, that there are just always going to be people that want to undermine the ministry. That can't slow you down. You have to take joy and peace everywhere that you go. Also, if you're walking in the spirit, if you're walking in God's word, you're going to have no problem defending uh, the truth in love and grace. And sometimes you're going to have to. Now, are you willing? Are you willing to confront someone in love, full of grace, full of joy, who seeks to undermine the gospel? People that are in your family and, and friends and people in our ministry, 
that want to undermine what God's doing, are you willing to deal with that in a way that, that, that reflects the love of Jesus Christ in your life? Not being a jerk, obviously, but doing it in a way that says, this is what God's word says, and this is where I'm going to stand, and I'm going to do it with joy, and I want you to know that this is, this is where we disagree. And then with the heart, especially in ministry, to bring people into unity which is what happens in the story. I don't want to give it away, but their unity does come because they decide to agree with God. And we want that unity to come in our ministry as well. But you're going to have to defend it when it comes up against the gospel and it begins to affect our ministry here in Kaya. We've got to deal with those things. Let's uh, real quick, as we close, Galatians chapter six, and I talked about Galatians earlier, okay? In Galatians, um, the, which is this book that deals with the Judaizers, right? Paul is trying to confront Gal- uh, the church in Galatia and say, look, guys, these guys have it wrong. Don't go back to the works of the law. Don't go back to doing things in your flesh when, when Christ has extended grace to you. Okay, listen to what he says as he closes out this book. From henceforth, okay, this is verse 17. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. No man is going to trouble me. I'm not going to let any man affect my joy. I don't care who they are. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you bear in your body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ? If so, that's going to look like joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, a willingness to endure suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. Do you reflect? Do Do the marks of Jesus Christ, are they upon you? There might be enemies in your wake. You know, you might be going and serving and living, and you might have enemies all along the way, but are they going to dissuade you? Are they going to trouble you and keep you from living the marks of Jesus Christ? God forbid. Now, so let's pray right now, and let's call upon the Lord that we might live in grace according to the Spirit of God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love Kaya so much, and I pray that we would continue to minister in grace, minister in power, that we would be unafraid of the gospel message, that we would speak it online, that we would speak it to our friends, that we would speak it to our family, that we would meet new people, that we would speak it to anyone that we have opportunity with, Lord. And would you use us and bear fruit in our life, Lord? Would you help us when the dissenters do come, when the people who seek to undermine ministry, or even when our friends um, unintentionally harm us by throwing a wet blanket on what God's doing in our life or, or cast doubt on what you're doing? God, would you teach us to rely on you and your word and, and what your spirit is confirming in our life? Lord, would you use us? Would you continue to have your way with us? We need you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, family, I love you. I hope that was an encouragement. We're gonna come back together, I think next week uh, and, and continue addressing what happens here in Acts chapter 15 and talk about grace and faith and uh, the power of Jesus Christ. I love you. If you need something, holler at me. Um, yeah, I don't wanna say bye. But I'm saying bye. See ya. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at kaya.live.